You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Now Jones escapes pressure, fires downfield, and it's caught! Darius Slayton! Man, this kid is awesome. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. How you doing, Grump? We have we have reached the the black hole of the year. There's no more football from between now and August. It's a long stretch. Uh, we just have to get through this together, me and you, and all of our our fans out there. So, uh, yeah, now's the time we start to reflect on what actually happened last year and start looking forward to what's going to happen in 2021 and beyond. For 31 teams, they're they're already. At work right now, already reevaluating the year. It's one of the things that Joe Judge said at the end of the regular season was self-reflection and evaluation. The only team that is exempt is the celebrating Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are also probably still doing some work. Um, so for the coming weeks, what we're going to be doing is the same thing, some self-reflection and self-evaluation. Uh, we're going to look back at the state of the team in general today, just kind of going through the roster as it stands and kind of the production that we got from the position groups. And then over the coming weeks, we're going to go over each position group and um, evaluate what we have, what we lost, what we need, where the strengths are, where the weaknesses are, and how we can address each position group, whether through the draft, free agency, or both. So be sure to follow this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, everywhere where there's podcasts, this show is available. You can subscribe for free, and um, all of these Episodes will be ready for you to listen to first thing in the morning, Tuesday morning. And as always, catch both of us on Twitter. I am as always at the Cranky Fan. And I'm at football underscore Grump. That's right. So we start off today, Grump. We talk. This is our State of the Union address. This is kind of where we say as of February 15th, 2021, what is the state of the program? What is the New York Giants at? You know, comparing to where we were this time last year, this time at the start of this, you know, where we were at the start of the season, you know, where are we with, you know, the rebuild is orchestrated by Dave Gettleman. Where are we with Joe Judge and getting into year two? Let's, like, before we look forward, let's take some time and talk about where are we right now? And Grump, your overall assessment, the floor is yours. Well, would you say in some respects that the Giants exceeded any expectations? Or do you think they played about to your expectations? Or do you think they did not meet your expectations for 2020? Now, I'm not talking about what the fan expectation is, just yours specifically. I think based upon what kind of crazy offseason it was, the fact we had a a first-year head coach who had never been a coach before, never been a coordinator before, uh, you know, obviously dealing with all the issues with COVID, not having a real off-season, having, you know, a, a pretty young roster of guys who are trying to learn how to play in this league on the fly. I think we kind of far exceeded expectations. I mean, I'm not even thinking about the record. You know, the the playoff run was fun, but we are we are not a playoff team. Everybody knows that. Nobody. You know, anybody with half a brain realizes that and doesn't, you know, knows what that was. But, you know, there's a potential this could have been complete, complete chaos this year. 
Daniel Jones with his third offensive coordinator, you know, or, you know, second head coach. We're having a uh, a left tackle that was a rookie, did not have an offseason. Uh, you know, a, a, a secondary with all the problems that were well chronicled in the offseason. I was expecting the worst. You know, I also expected our division to be a lot better to kind of make it worse, which never really materialized. But as far as building a culture going forward, you know, the, the, the initial fears of what Joe Judge couldn't be, I think, have been subsided for now. I think having that playoff run, if did nothing else, helped build a winning mentality and a dry run for when this team is really ready to be a playoff team, not just in playoff contention. So to me, far exceeded what my expectations were. And, and oh, yeah, without our best player playing for most of the season from being injured. Uh, that don't let's not who we pretty much banked a lot of our rebuild on not being here. So factor in no Barkley for most of it. I'd say it far exceeded my expectations. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. And I think individually things um, exceeded or, or didn't meet my expectations. Uh, but far and away, you know, I went into Joe Judge really tentatively um, and he never really truly disappointed me at any step of the game. I mean, you go all the way back to the beginning and when he took over and, and his press conferences, he was very well composed. You know, okay, minor little box check there. Go into, you know, the the training camp, what he was able to, to hold together in a very crazy offseason uh, box check. Go into training camp, his, his, you know, his different methods of teaching and his emphasis on teaching, not so much, you know, anything else. But, but teaching, teaching players, wanting to know what they can do, not what they can't do, um, you know, the mud drills, all sorts of stuff like that, all were box checks for me. And you get into the season, the team is not off to a great start. They're struggling. The offensive line is struggling. He asserts himself in there, gives it his focus and attention. The offensive line starts to turn around. He brings in some outside help so he doesn't have to do that full time. That may have blown up in his face, but either way, the offensive line did continue its better play through the second half of the year. The team never quit on him. He never quit on them. Uh, you know, Joe Judge to me exceeded all expectations that I could have had, far and away. You know, other things such as maybe the offense didn't live up to what I expected this year. Um, but overall, gathering everything, I think they exceeded my expectations. And, you know, the record the record is about what I expected. And, and, and you know... I would say that this is a plus two, minus two there. So it was anywhere from four wins to eight wins, you know, based on the season with some close games there is is just about where I thought we'd be six to eight wins here. Um, yeah, Grumpy, at the beginning of the year, we lost some losers lose games. But in the end of the year, we had that losing streak. You can't call those necessary losers lose. I mean, we lost to good teams. Good teams. Sure. We, we lost to playoff teams with playoff quarterbacks and playoff coaches. So, you know, when we lost to Philly in Philly, that's a loser's lose. You know, we lost to Dallas. That was a loser's lose. You know, but we are we are playing and experiencing out the loser's lose of this team and the learning how to become winners. They may not be reflected yet in the scoreboard or in the final standings because the talent level still has to be upgraded on this team. And, you know, not only overall but in certain key spots but they're learning how to win and they're learning how to play in the nfl and and that's all you can really ask for a season like this like anything that actually happens is gravy and you know watching 
on the last game of the NFL season in the second half of a game where you're seven points away from making the playoffs, I can guarantee you not one person listens to this show had that written in their book on September 1st or May 1st or end of last year. Well, quite frankly, the Giants didn't make it to the playoffs this year because Philadelphia willed it so. I mean, really, truly, if Philadelphia is playing that game to win, there's a good to fair chance the Giants made the playoffs this year, right? I mean, that's that's a fair assessment of that game. You know, whether it would have happened or not, you know, remains we'll never know. But but you know something though, Grump, if they did make the playoffs or didn't, it really wouldn't change one bit of what my perception of this season was. You know, if we make the playoffs. You know, I, all the things that, you know, my exceeding my expectations would have been at the same level because of all the things that we, we pointed out where, you know, we saw development in the offensive line, some cohesion. We saw we saw a, a defense play far, far better than we ever thought possible before the season started. Uh, you know, so whether the final record was six and ten or seven and nine or we we made the playoffs or didn't by you know the hair of our chinny chin chin. You know, that doesn't really matter as far as what I feel the state of this program is right now. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, regardless of what I mean, what I mean by that is, you know, none of us really expected to be watching a game and, and think that this season would come down to a Philadelphia tank job that prevented the Giants from going to the playoffs. That's all I mean. Uh, it was, it was even closer than we expected. Just because we have said that this was a team in the playoff hunt and not a playoff team didn't mean you couldn't be excited about it. I mean, because at the end of the day, the Super Bowl champ is quite often not the best team. They are the team, the last team standing. And that applies for any sport. You know, the best team hardly ever wins the NCAA basketball tournament. You know, the best team you know, rarely wins the World Series. It's the team that survives and wins. And that's what we that's what we crown champions on, who survives and wins in the very end. So, you know, while we make that distinction between a playoff run and a playoff team, don't feel bad and don't feel like embarrassed or anything that we were there. I mean, that's the that's the hand we were dealt. We were dealt a very bad division. We were dealt a division where the teams we thought would be good severely underachieved. There were significant injuries by everybody, coaches fired all over the place. And at the end of the day, we navigated those landmines. I mean, we were one and six at one point. We could have very easily folded up shop. This team could have, you know, we, we've seen coaches after one year, like on an extreme hot seat. And it, it could have gone south. And for a team that's not very old and not that many, you know, veterans on this team and guys that are vets are questionable in their leadership. You know, I, I'm looking at you, Golden Tate. You know, guys like that, where I wouldn't consider them necessarily leaders, uh, they they manned up and they bucked up and they, you know, they played to the very end. So in that respect, also, I feel that this team is out, you know, overachiever. I thought they would and the state of the program is better than I would have hoped for, you know, at this point last year, for sure. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree guess, with all that. Yeah. I guess the next question then is. Let's break it down a little bit from that super, you know, hundred thousand foot level. How do you feel the state of the rebuild is going right now? Do you feel that we are on track, ahead of schedule, behind schedule? Where do you feel we are? So this is actually interesting because today 
Earlier today, Jordan Rainon put out a piece uh, about how the the Giants are still definitely in a rebuild and that they're several years away. And that's it. It's just this ambiguous away. Away from what? You know, it, what do we grade the finish line for a rebuild to be? I mean, I think that's very important context. And what what a when does a rebuild end and when is a team built and ready to play? I mean, are we judging it on Super Bowl contention? And even then, what do we consider a Super Bowl contender? Because if we're counting division winners, I don't think that the Giants are so far away from being a division winner. Do I think they're there? Absolutely not. Even though they almost won the division this year, I don't think that they are close. That, that they that they are quote unquote division winners or or right there. What our definition of a division winner is, a division level, a team right. that's worthy of hosting a first round game. Sure, but I don't think that they're that far away from that. Now, are they? You know, the best team in the conference at the end of the regular season? Of course, they're not near that. But what are we grading that on? When do we stop saying we're in a rebuild? I think once you once you have a roster that wins a division, and I mean truly wins it, um, I, I think your rebuild is done. You know what I mean? At that point, you're just retooling. Um, that's me, and I don't think that this team is that far away from that. There are, you know, far less depth issues on this team than there used to be. Um, there's still some holes. There's still some holes in the starting lineup, and you know we've got guys coming and going. Uh, you know, guys that were in the starting lineup this year, and I mean the day one starting lineup, they are not on the team right now. And those are issues that need to be fixed. And I don't think that this team is, you know, an off season away from being the best team in the conference. But I don't think it's outlandish to think that they could make the right moves to win the division this year. I don't think that's outlandish at all. I, I mean, uh, they have had a very good offseason last year. The, the the veteran guys that they targeted in free agency paid off in big dividends. Guys like uh, Blake Martinez and James Bradbury are the big ones. They didn't go for the best at the position, the highest salary at the position. They got quality middle-round guys that they knew they could get something out of, and they more than exceeded expectations. You know, I think if they have another year like that, I don't think it's outlandish or even a hot take to say that they can win the division next year. I don't I don't think that that's an egregious thing. Now, it's all tentative on this offseason. If they completely whiff on where they go with with where they spend their money, you know, how they utilize their draft picks, maybe they trade picks around or, or whatever. You know, if they if they whiff, you know, now you're looking at another year of quote unquote in the rebuild. But I I, I don't think that that's outlandish. I I don't like the word rebuild. I want to I want to kind of change the phrase a little bit to call foundation building, where there's a difference between building your foundation and peaking of what this incarnation of a team can be. And the first thing I will say, and we've said it on this show before, is that we have we kind of have a disagreement about when this rebuild or foundation building began. And I stick to my guns to say that we did not firmly commit to building the foundation of this team until the day that Eli Manning was benched and Daniel Jones became the starter. So to me, we are really starting the third year of building the foundation. Um, I, I know, you know, the pieces were put in place, you know, a couple of years back, you know, drafting, Barkley and everything, but it, but there was not a full commitment because 
this organization, whether it was from ownership or the GM or a coach that was trying to save his job, they still felt with Eli Manning, they thought they could make that, quote, one last run. And as long as you, you can't serve two masters, you're either going for one last run or you're breaking it down fully and starting over. So to me, when we when, when Daniel Jones took over, that's when we started to build this new foundation. And the question becomes, well, when did we finish building that foundation? I think you have to look at the roster and say, well, who on this roster right now will be the core pieces of a team that would compete for a Super Bowl, if that's our ultimate goal? Well, you know, at quarterback, that's a to be determined. We've we've drafted a guy that we would like to be that piece. So I'll say we have the quarterback in place for argument's sake for that offensive line. You know, we've been work. We've been, we've been investing in it, you know, through the draft, you know, we've tried with uh, with free agency, the, the quick fixes that didn't really work. But right now we spent a first round pick on a left tackle. Um, you know, we spent another high pick on another tackle. We have guards, we have, you know, this offensive line is growing to the line, which will be our foundation line. We don't see any real major needs to get in. There might be like maybe one piece or so that we may need to get, like, but that's one out of five. So the foundation of this offensive line is there. Defensive line, so you have to see what happens with free agency and how we want to spend our money to keep guys. If not, that part of the foundation building is going to take a little longer, but that's a to be determined. Um, you know, linebackers and secondary, some pieces are there, but there's still some more work to be done. Uh, you know, we, we still need, you know, wide receivers. We have to figure out what we're going to do with Evan Ingram long term. I think the draft will help settle some of those things, some use of free agent money. So to me, overall, we are still another year or two away from that foundation of players, that core that is going to be, is this the core that will get us to become a significant challenger to win a championship? So when you say a year away, you mean an off season away, like including this upcoming one could be the, if they, if they were to just nail every move they make this off season, that could be the one off season. I would say best in a, in a perfect world, one more off season. I think it's probably going to take two, um, but that's again, that's one to two. That's not saying years away. That's not, three to four. I mean, one, one best case two more realistically is, but also we are no longer that, you know, New York jets, Jacksonville Jaguar, 2019 New York giants, you know, that level of putrid mediocrity anymore. I mean, if this team, if this team, you know, has a pretty decent off season and as it gets most, but not all the parts. And we're still watching a team. That's kind of like, Six and ten. Well, then you have to really you have to take a real honest assessment of, well, is this foundation really a foundation for a championship team, or is it just a bunch of young guys that may or may not be the ones? So I, I think we're on the right path. I think, I think we're right on schedule because, again, to me, the clock started ticking when Daniel Jones came into the starting lineup last year. I know a lot of people are going to say, well, this is now Gettleman's fourth year, but. Again, I think he had mixed singles of what he wanted to do, and there was a lot of roster deconstruction that needed first to enable this to start anyway. So I think 
a lot of criticism that Dave Gettleman has are things that had to be done that are not sexy or appear counterintuitive. They certainly don't make fans happy, but had to be done. But I think we're right on, on track where we need to be. Yeah, I think I would agree. I think I think that in so many words is kind of what I'm saying too. I, I think I think the the foundational pieces are there. They're you know I would say in a lot of position groups, a couple guys away from being complete. You know, and then you know we we say it all the time, and, and including what you were saying before about uh, you know the Super Bowl team is hardly ever the best team. It's the 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 most alive team at the end, I guess, the last man standing. That speaks to depth, and that's another thing that needs to be worked on. And in certain areas, I think the Giants are pretty okay with depth. But let's actually go through it, you know, really briefly. Let's just kind of take a quick look at what this roster actually looks like right now, because I think some Giants fans need some refresher on what has happened the moment the regular the the, the season ended. Um, so let's let's take a look at this. So right now, the quarterback situation for the Giants is. Daniel Jones, Joe Webb, and Clayton Thorson departing are Colt McCoy, who is now a free agent, and Alex Tanney, who is now a offensive quality control coach or something for Philadelphia. Um, I would say that I'm mildly concerned about this. Daniel Jones has missed time in both of his seasons, and I think a quality backup is not only needed to continue a season in which he has to miss five to six quarters, but also, you know, he's a young guy that could use some guidance. And, you know, some showing around. And I would say the jury is out if he is going – if he'll ever be a guy who can – you can put a franchise on his back and will live you to the promised land. Or is he one is, – is he an example of the summer is greater than the parts? So – and so we, we – it's a to be determined. I definitely – I definitely do not think we should have be having the discussion right now or anytime in the near future of – giving up on him by any, any stretch, you know, or trying to get a quick fix with a quarterback that's been around. I mean, the, the, the price tag to, to get after Deshaun Watson, it would be just outrageous and would kill, you know, the, the foundation building going forward. You know, it's, we're, we're not in that position yet where we're just a Deshaun Watson away from becoming a, a, a contender. So I think we stay the course with him. I agree though. We do need to have that quarterback room fortified with a, proven backup slash mentor guy, not only if, if Daniel Jones gets hurt, but just someone just to help a young quarterback out and, and help him still you know, learn the ropes. Yeah. And, and again, we're going to be going through these positions with ideas on who these people could be. And, and if, if, if certain positions need any help or not. So don't feel like we're rushing through this. This is just an overview and the coming episodes will will identify all this stuff more in depth. But moving forward to the running back room. Uh, again, this is another one. I don't think Giants fans really understand the current state of the roster. And I know that this is one that you can kind of be cheap with and have an effective solution. But right now the running back roster is Saquon Barkley, Elijah Penny, and Jordan Chun. Departing is Wayne Gallman, Dion Lewis, and Alfred Morris. Now this, to me, is super concerning. Saquon Barkley hasn't been healthy for 16 games in a season yet. Um, and... Um, even even if he is healthy, I mean, it's still important to have a change of pace guy, somebody else to give him a spell other than Eli Penny, who's kind of this halfway running back, fullback hybrid to begin with. Let's make some clarification, too. When you say departing, what we're really saying is currently not on the roster. Correct. Their they're they're, they're all free agents. That doesn't, yeah. it, that doesn't necessarily mean that they are not coming back. It's just that 
as of this moment, they are free agents. Mm-hmm. They're free to sign anywhere. All three right. of them. Um, yeah, I, I think this is this is a very weak spot that uh, you know even of course it's all hinging on Saquon Barkley's health and you know if he plays all sixteen games, this is absolutely not a weak position spot. But you know, handoff to handoff, that's something to hold your breath on. Is not a situation I want to be in. Well, it's a problem too because I still believe that this offense is being designed around Saquon Barkley as its biggest weapon. And even if Saquon Barkley is healthy and plays all 16 games, he is not going to take every single snap. So if if Saquon Barkley is getting a blow for a play or a series, you need somebody back there who can at least be replacement level, who can just, you know, fall forward for three yards if they had to. So – we don't have that at all right now. We have nobody to give him that blow. We have nobody at this moment who can, you know, handle a series. And we have nobody that if Barkley's, you know, even if he doesn't come back 100% in the beginning, and even if his rehab isn't going as fast as we want and he has to miss part of the season to start the season next year, you know, it's going to have to be addressed because we need someone, a, a, a someone who can spell him for any amount of time, and that any amount of time could be or little or huge. And I, th- I think the good news is that what we saw from the offense last year is that, you know, getting the offensive line straightened out and getting things together allowed even guys like Alfred Morris, who probably have no business getting significant reps in the league right now, you know, some level of success. So I don't think this is a spot where the Giants have to shoot the money cannon at. But um, either way, it's 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 something to keep an eye on. Moving forward to tight end. You know, this is an interesting one, but we're kind of in the same position that we were at the beginning of last offseason with Evan Ingram is on the roster for next year. Caden Smith is on the roster. Levine Toilolo, last year's free agent signing, is on the roster. And then, there, you know, some, some other guys that are kind of rounding out the uh, the competition there, Nakia, Griffin Stewart, and Nate Whiting. Um, but overall, this is the same returning group right now. And, you know, whether that is something that needs to be addressed if it needs some help it's not a dire spot because it really wasn't a dire spot last year it just wasn't i wouldn't say a strength it, it was a high profile failure spot in small but very you know with the spotlight on you situations but it's not a we don't have a sieve we don't have a a, a, a tight end group that cannot block and cannot catch the ball it was just the failures happen at the worst times in the biggest situations of the season. Um, I think that's one of the big organizational decisions will we'll be about Evan Ingram. And I think that could be that could be based upon how the draft falls for them, who's available for free agency. But I I honestly don't know if they know what they're going to do with him yet. I think they're going to have to see what the playing field is going to be like and see what is available to him. If, if there's an option that becomes available, and Grump, you know who I'm thinking about, but... If, if, if someone becomes available that, you know, they can make a decision, I would not be surprised if Evan Ingram is traded or they move on from him. Uh, so, but again, you're right. It's not uh, mission critical that the tight end position is, is addressed tonight or draft night or even during the offseason. Yeah, basically what I'm saying is, yes, Evan Ingram is the high profile problem on this team, but he's not the deepest problem with 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 all holes on this roster that need to be addressed this doesn't have to be priority number one if the chips fall in a certain array where tight end becomes the the spot that gets upgraded they are okay upgrading there but it doesn't need to be basically 
I think that they are they're comfortable going into the season, upgrading everything else, and walking in with the same starting three that they walked into in 2020. Grump, how many other teams where they one of their biggest priorities is is upgrading from their Pro Bowl position player? No, stop it. <laughs> um, moving forward, we're gonna we're gonna look at just the tackles as a group. Um, we're not gonna look at left and right, but right now on the roster, Andrew Thomas, Matt Pert, Nate Solder still on the roster. Chad Slade and Jackson Barton departing, uh, you know, whatever, expiring contract, Cameron Fleming. Uh, this is a group that I think currently that group right there is talented enough to walk in on, on week one and play. It's, it remains to be seen, you know, Nate Solder, whether he retires or if, if he's cut as a cap casualty because he has a very high cap number uh, rolling over from 2020. Uh you know that will put this this position in a bit of jeopardy. We don't really know what we have with Matt Parrot yet, but again, Parrot did play a significant amount of snaps last year. Uh, I don't think you know. I think they're counting on some development for him. I don't know about starting, but certainly depth already covered. You know, this well, might be something we need to throw some money at. There's there's three things to consider with Parrot. Is one, he'll have the leap from first year to second year is always huge. Two. He'll have a full off season for not only OTAs and a real training camp, but to get into the Giants strength and conditioning program, a real NFL strength and conditioning program. So I think you combine all those three things. I would not be surprised if they're going to potentially roll with him at right tackle. And Cam Fleming was a placeholder. You know, Nate Solder probably would have. My my guess is he probably would have started left tackle when the season started. Andrew Thomas would have, because of the limited reps and strength and conditioning in the offseason, probably would have started to get comfortable in the league at right tackle. Uh, but, you know, Solder will not be back next year with this contract. You know, whether he retires or whether they renegotiate or, or whatever, you know, if he comes back, great. It helps with the depth. I don't see him in any capacity being in the role in the starting lineup next year if they do manage to bring him back somehow. My guess is he'll be probably gone. You know, he was from the last administration I, I, I don't think he'll be back moving forward to the guard situation another interesting one we have three potential starters all lumped in there for, for two starting spots and it's Kevin Zeitler Will Hernandez Shane Lemieux and then Kenny Wiggins and Kyle Murphy uh, Will Hernandez is kind of in this weird spot where he's he's done some things well and other things not so well Shane Lemieux kind of shined a little bit in the run game but he's a little lackluster in the past game and, and Kevin Zeitler may very well be the best offensive lineman we have uh, there's a lot of talk right now about potentially uh, restructuring his contract to lower his cap hit next year and keeping him on for more years we'll see if he's open to that anything like that I think Shane Lemieux is another one of guys sort of like Pert where let's get him in and get him a real you know a real offseason and a jump from one year to the next um, I'm not they have high hopes for him. And, and even Will Hernandez, he took a step back, but again, a jacked up year, you know, and I, I'm willing to give guys like that the benefit of the, the guys who've shown things in the past. I, I feel when we're back to normal, you know, I think he'll regress, will not regress, will unregress to level of play from before. So I don't see this as a very high need to spend a lot of money in this position. I believe the word you're looking for is progress. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, once again, this podcast is brought to you by Dictionary.com uh, for all your missing word needs. 
Um, moving forward to the center spot, uh, Nick Gates is the shining star. You know, he he got the contract extension uh, going into last year, and we were kind of wondering: is he playing tackle? Where are they going to put him? You know, they they obviously saw something in him that they really liked. And, you know, when he kind of took over the center spot, I know you went more I, – I know me. I'm not so sure how weary you were of it, but I was nervous, you know. And, and I wasn't sp- particularly enamored with Spencer Pulley, who's still on the roster. But, um, you know, I, I really didn't know how Nick Gates was going to handle there. And he re- he is the one I would say would be giving Kevin Zeitler the run for his money on the best offensive lineman that we had last year. Nick Gates was very consistent in his blocking, very few mistakes, you know – he really is an O linesman, O lineman's O lineman. Um, he changed. He has changed almost single handedly the direction of how we want to keep building this offensive line. Because we were saying for how many years have we said center, right guard, biggest problems on this team. Center, right guard. Center, right guard. And you know we were very you know, we there was a competition for center, but the bar was pretty low. Like the winner of that was not going to be you know, an all pro, but Gates played fantastic. Really exceeded expectations. So let's see, can, can he keep it up this year? Again, a full off season, you get a little stronger. This unit gels with OTAs and off season stuff. So we'll see. Yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on. I I failed to mention the free agent signing that has happened since the season ended was uh, Jonathan Harrison, Another depth guy, possible competition. Maybe he allows some, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe he fights for the spot behind Nick Gates with Spencer Pulley. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, moving forward, though, to wide receiver, the Giants are stepping into, again, another spot where they're walking into 2021 with the same group, more or less, that they did 2020 with Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton. And then behind that, they have Dante Pettis, who came on late last year, Cody Core who's also a special teams guy, and then guys like Derek Dillon, Alex Bachman, Bryson John, and Taquan Mizell. Uh, departing, quote-unquote, um, CJ Board, Damari Scott, and Austin Mack. Those guys are free to sign everywhere. Damari Scott, I believe, was actually cut uh, just the past week or something like that. But he was... Um, I believe he was an opt-out last year anyway. This is a team that doesn't have a number one receiver and the guy who is playing the part of number one receiver is not going to be with the team next year. So Golden Tate, I do not believe will be on this team next year. I think he'll be a, he'll be a cap casualty. So, you know, I, I think when we start getting closer to talking about free agency and the draft, you know, wide receivers, definitely something we got to pay attention to because the, we needed a number one, even if everybody came back, and now we desperately need one because we don't even have – we don't have that – that anybody who can really consistently get separation has the physical size to create any sort of mismatch. We have to get that person. So that is a, that is a big need. You know, it's going it, to – one of the reasons why this offense struggled this past year is because it kind of played for first downs. It was a very condensed offense, kind of scrunched together. Nobody can take the top off of, of, of a of a secondary consistently. No one to really scare anybody, and you know, just having the threat of that person, 
know, makes Saquon Barkley's life easier, makes the other receivers' life easier, all, all these different things. So I, I think that's going to be, if not the biggest uh, checkbox for the offseason, is right up there. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I don't know about Golden Tate staying or going. You know, it, it's I think it's trending towards going, but I think there's still a lot that has to be done. Um, that's going to be a fun episode when we highlight that because there's so many different directions they can go in free agency, the draft. This draft is full of wide receiver talent. Some are pro- some first-round talent is probably going to fall to the second round, which makes it even more interesting. There's going to be lots of fun stuff to cover with that one. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, and, and I agree that I think this is probably the biggest help this offense could get because it helps – Everyone from the offensive coordinator to Daniel Jones, it even helps the offensive line a little bit, helps Saquon Barkley, and of course it helps the underneath receivers. There's less pressure on them. There's less double teams. There's less zone coverage. Uh, you know, everything. This, this helps everyone when you get a when a, you get an alpha male wide receiver out there, a true number one, uh, a guy who's you know top fifteen in the league. I mean, that's all you really, top fifteen is good enough. Right? Someone I mean, who's a legitimate number one, a legitimate, this is my go-to guy. This is the guy, when I need third and 11, will get me the first down. This is a guy in the red zone, it has the hands, can get that little tiny bit of separation. This is the guy that can create something out of nothing. That's who we need. We don't have that. We haven't had that for a while. Haven't had it since Victor since, Cruz. Well, I would say since Beckham left. That's, yeah, I, I see he's out of my memory. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're going to flip over the defense really quickly, and this one is really, really, really important. The defensive line, and this is probably the biggest topic for the Giants and what they're going to do going forward, because currently on the roster is Dexter Lawrence, B.J. Hill, R.J. McIntosh, Nico Lalos, and David Moa. The big ones departing are all really important pieces. Dalvin Tomlinson, Leonard Williams, and, and Austin Johnson. The big one's not under contract. Keep saying that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These guys are all going to hit some level of payday. I mean, even Austin Johnson is not going to be super cheap. He's a very good player that, that quite frankly, was buried by depth on the Giants last year. But Leonard Williams and Dalvin Tomlinson are going to be among the highest paid defensive linemen uh, next year, period. Uh, well, we're not keeping both. I mean, I don't think we can afford to keep both. So that's, that's pretty much that. So the question becomes, who do you target? as the guy that you want us to keep. Mm-hmm. And that, that, and, and, and again, keeping both is, um, you know, the option you'd like to have, right? Well, sure. I mean, but, in a... <laughs> but whoever you don't keep has to be replaced. I mean, this, this defense last year played very well, but played beyond its expectations, I think. And part of that was due to the fact that the defensive line was stacked between Lawrence, Tomlinson, Williams, and then beyond that, the depth with Johnson, B.J. Hill, and, and even Nico Lilos in some games. Uh, you know, that depth allowed the rest of the, the deficiencies of this defense in, the, in its talent um, to be a little bit hidden and, you know, allowed them to win games like they did against Seattle. So this is going to be very, very, very important. So this is going to be another really fun one to go through and all the options that they have. So here's the question. Is Dave Gettleman going to favor Leonard Williams because of the trade? And, you know, next to the Barkley draft pick, this is was the signature move of him being the general manager of the New York football giants. Or does he make a 
an honest evaluation. And maybe he makes a decision, you know, for the value and the money, it makes more sense to bring back Tomlinson instead. I'm very curious how this is going to go. What I will say without actually answering that is that I don't think that Dave Gettleman is the kind of guy who makes a decision to um, save face to to vindicate himself. I think he will make an honest decision. And if he chooses to keep Leonard Williams, then it will be because he had a very productive year last year, not because it defends his decision to make the trade for him or franchise tag him or anything like that. I think that he is always in the best interest of his job, which is to put the best football team that you can on the field, not to vindicate your decisions. And I think he's shown that in the past when he gave a, a, a moderate contract to guys like Patrick Omame and just cut him. They just let him go. Forget it. Yeah. We made a mistake. This guy's not worth the money. He's gone. I think admitting your own mistakes is a, is a an important thing to do when you're in a position of power, and I, I don't think that he's afraid of doing that. That's true, but the implications of Patrick Omame were just a bad contract. We cut him. This is, you know, everybody holds those draft picks and stuff like they are, you know, pieces of gold. So, I mean, it, it's a little different situation, but I, I think I agree with you also. It's what's done is done. The trade has happened already. And I think that Gettleman has the full faith and credit of the Maris. And I, 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 I think he does what he thinks is the right move at the end. What he thinks is the best move from productivity as well as a financial standpoint, combining those two. Moving to the outside linebacker slash edge position. We got, uh, Lorenzo Carter, O'Shane Ziminis, Cam Brown, Carter Coughlin, Trent Harris, all returning. Kyler Fackrell and Jabal Sheard are guys who are not going to be – they're currently not on the roster. Their contract has expired. And Kyler Fackrell was kind of that that cheap contract, second-chance guy who played pretty well for the money. Um, it's another one of those guys that if, if you know they have an offseason of nailing decisions like that, then – you know, they are moving themselves closer to being at the end of that quote unquote rebuild. But right now, this group here is kind of a bunch of depth. Yeah. I mean, again, Rome doesn't have to be built in a day, and this might be a position group that maybe is tabled for next year. The inside linebacker position, this is where they kind of struck gold. Blake Martinez has been playing outside of his mind. It, it, it seems to be a perfect fit for Graham's defense. Next to him, they've added the athleticism, uh, the, the raw athleticism of Tate Crowder, who showed some promise. David Mayo was still on there. TJ Brunson was a draft pick that they pumped into the spot. And then they've went out and they've they've signed Breland Speaks and, uh, you know, Kale Garrett is somewhere on the roster. Devontae Downs is the one who was on the roster last year whose contract is expiring. This spot, I think, you know, you can say that there is some level of talent there that maybe just needs some injection of talent, not much. Mm, yeah, I think another year of everybody playing together too might help. This might be one of those positions where I think the talent is there. Let's see the pieces around them getting better might make them better as well. And then into the secondary, the cornerback spot, another striking gold situation, I think. James Bradbury played, I think, Pro Bowl level. I think he deserved that. Logan Ryan has been re-signed. He will be here for a little while, whether he plays corner or safety or whatever. Darnay Holmes looks like an excellent draft choice in the in the third or fourth round or whenever he was drafted. And then still returning, Sam Beal, Isaac Yadam, Ryan Lewis, Quincy Wilson, Montre Hardage, Jaron Williams, and Chicago Tyler, uh, Taylor. The only departing contract there is Madre Harper. 
Um, this, you know, maybe that cornerback two isn't on the roster, but there's a lot of depth there. I think there's a lot of cover up there. Obviously, you want another really good corner to play opposite of James Bradbury, but I don't know. Maybe it's not so bad. Isaac Yadam did not play awfully, and we still don't really know what Sam Beal has to offer. I think it's see how it shakes out in free agency and the draft with the other bigger positions of need, whether they're going to dip in and take a flyer on a on a mid-level draft pick for a corner or something. Um, There's just there are bigger needs right now than cornerback. You know, that doesn't mean it doesn't need to be addressed on the other side. But I think let's see what this board looks like when we get to the draft and see, you know, we can slide up a second corner as a prior now. But right now I think that might be something they're going to go have that competition to see right now that might be in-house. And then also at safety, Jabril Peppers – uh, returning is Xavier McKinney, Julian Love, and then the de- departing contracts are Nate Ebner and Adrian Colbert. They're not so bad here either. I mean, we didn't really get to see much of Xavier McKinney, unfortunately, due to a, a broken bone in his foot. But when he did come in late on in the year, played pretty well. You know, not much, not much to expect for a, a player second round or not, with no off season and then you know no season. Just remember how excited we were. I think you said that was the steal of the draft when we had the draft for him. So. You know, we're just saying the reset for 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then lastly, just kind of going through special teams, Graham Gano uh, played an outstanding last year. Um, he got his contract extension. Riley Dixon and Ryan Santoso are on as punter. Ryan Santoso, I think, is punter slash kicker. Um, so he's probably not going to be on the roster last year. He was kind of kept because of his versatility on the practice squad, I think, in case there was a COVID issue. He could jump in at either spot. Um, and long snapper Carson Tinker is on. Casey Kreider is the departing contract. Um, but overall, this isn't a problem either. I think that the special teams unit, the kicker, is probably the most important. And he played pretty, pretty well last year. Yeah, you never want a Seminole in an important position like kicker, but he did a pretty good job last year. So I'll uh, keep the extremely short leash on him and we'll see what happens next year. That's kind of the state of the roster. You know, we've got some holes, we've got some strengths, some weaknesses, but uh, we'll go through these in the coming weeks, uh, position by position, with different suggestions on how to supplement these free agency draft, you know, how important they are based on that free agency. Is it big money? Is it medium money? Is it low money? You know, is it a high draft pack, middle, and or, or, or does nothing need to happen there? Um, that's going to be all the coming episodes going forward until draft day, really. Yeah. I mean, when you paint the picture this way, you know, it does. And just what you saw on the field, um, how it looked from week one to week 16, you know, it, it took a while for this team to get going and combination of the off season and a new coach and you know, roster flipping. It was expected. We saw some pretty bad play around the league overall. Uh, once they got their footing, this starts like an NFL franchise. I think this is headed in the right direction. I think we have a head coach and a general manager aligned on the same page. And, um, you know, re- the building of that foundation continues starting with free agency and into the draft. And I am excited to see what happens this offseason because next year will be a pretty good indicator of are we on the right path with this foundation or do we have to shift gears again? I have, I have a much lower bar for next year. I'm just excited to see if we can go to games. 
<laughs> I hope so. I mean, you know, we we starting uh, tomorrow at noon, we can start buying Nick tickets. That's a that's a very hopeful sign that by you know Labor Day next year, we can have some people in the stands at Giant Stadium. So I'm cautiously optimistic. Yes, and I will remain the same way. That's going to do it for us for this episode, so be sure to follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you guys listen to podcasts. Do that so that you can get all of these great episodes coming up about the state of the roster and the position groups, etc. Um, also, you can follow uh, the, the show on Twitter, at JustGiantsPod, where all these episodes are bumped, and you can follow me on Twitter as well, where I'll have additional information and further player breakdowns um, as we go through these episodes, I'm at football underscore grump. Catch me as always at the cranky fan where there's a lot going on. The New York Knicks are an actual NBA team for once in our lives. Spring training is starting up, you know, relatively shortly. Oh yeah. The New York football giants are in the off season. We'll talk about all this stuff. And one final thing before we go, be on the lookout in the next week or so for a, Something really exciting that Grump and I will be a part of. Uh, we're not going to give it away, but uh, if you are part of the Giants ecosystem of podcasts and writers and all that, uh, you'll you'll be made aware of what that is pretty shortly. So just keep your ears onto the Just Giant podcast. Follow us on Twitter, and you'll know what we're talking about soon enough. All right, everyone. We will see you next week. Go Giants. Go Giants. Let's go!